0: Uh, my name is Mike Tobin, I am the assistant chief in charge of operations for the City of Lansing Fire Department and today I'm with uh, Chief Sturdivant, uh Fire Chief for the uh, City of Lansing Fire Department and we are here at fire station number 9 uh, so that Chief Sturdevant and I can walk through and look at some of the operational needs uh, of this station uh, that was built in 1954 and since 1954 had, other than some paint and some minor cosmetic stuff really has not had any work done to it. Chief.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a good point, Chief. We've done a great job over the years with patching and painting and basically putting a Band-Aid on a situation that needs surgery. Uh, The city, the fire department, we've made do for a number of uh, years. But it's also very, very important to uh, understand that this is not only the workspace, but it is the home place for our firefighters. So we have crews on duty in this firehouse, 24 seven, 365. And this station is in significant need of some major updates and some upgrades. And we're gonna walk you through and just give you a visual of some of the particulars that we're speaking of right now.
0: Station 9, as I said, was built in 1954. It's got a long stoic history in the south end of the city. We're going to start out on the apparatus floor. Uh, When we were built in 1954, the apparatus bay was plenty large enough for the fire vehicles of the time. Uh, We have some issues now because of the size of the vehicles changing, the needs of the vehicles, the specialties of the vehicles, that um, we actually now are restricted to the types of equipment and the size of the equipment that we can utilize in this station. Uh, For example, the real simple thing, our doors are only 12 foot doors in this station. Uh, Our ladder trucks, you need at least a 14 foot door for a ladder truck to fit in the station. We used to have a ladder truck stationed here which operationally, for the number of ladder trucks we run in the city, we should have one in the center part of the south end of the city. Right now we do not have that truck which increases response times, which can increase some uh, reactionary time on our operational needs on structure fires or a high-rise fire because that vehicle now has to be located somewhere that's a longer response time. The other thing we have is that the distance pulling out of the station, it's a short apron onto a narrow road. So with this, the crews that are pulling out or backing in from calls have a very tight area and they have to go very slow and very deliberate of when they can turn, when they can't turn, so they don't hit the station pulling out or they don't hit the trees on the other side or drive up on the sidewalk on the other side of the road just to get in and out of the station. That's a very base starting point for this facility. Uh, And as you can see, as the vehicles are getting larger, this is Engine 9, and Engine 9 is taking up at least two-thirds of the depth of the bay. So now we have even less space. For example, we have a a rescue boat that's stationed here that we cannot keep uh, hooked up to a vehicle at all times. It's got to be kept off to the side, That if we got a request for a water rescue, we have to take the additional time to hook the trailer up, get the vehicles moved so we can get the equipment out and respond, so that increases our response time on the vehicle.
1: I think uh, also to that point, when we talk about our operational needs, uh, we have uh, about 35, 36 square miles of, uh, of geography that we cover here in the city of Lansing. Uh, strategically placing our aerial apparatus, also known as our ladder trucks, is very, very critical to successful outcome of any fire rescue emergency. And due to the limitations and the restrictions of this firehouse, it makes it very, very difficult for that placement and deployment of the uh, uh, aerial apparatus to be in the most opportune location to service the community. So that's one of the challenges from an operational standpoint that we also deal with.
0: So the back part of the station here, the lockers that are here, this is where the firefighters store their turnout gear, their personal protective equipment. Uh, That equipment has to be segregated from the rest of the station and the living areas uh, because of the particulate and the carcinogens that gets embedded in the gear from fires and emergency response scenes. Uh, Over 20 years ago, the standard has changed for life safety and health protection of firefighters. That gear should be stored in an area that has open lockers for ventilation to make sure the gear can dry properly and any of of the uh, particulate and um, off-gassing that comes from the gear happens and then is captured by an engineered ventilation system to filter it and then expel it from the station. This station, our firefighters are here for 24-7, 365. They live here. Um, in a 25 year career of a Lansing firefighter, they are effectively in a fire station for just under nine years. So this is their home. We do not want them breathing or exposed to the carcinogens, especially when they're sleeping or eating or any other activity outside of the firefighting. We're trying to protect them. This is a life and health, a life and, uh, health issue for the firefighters. So we have closed lockers where the gear cannot get proper ventilation and the ventilation is not controlled. That is a huge health and safety issue for our firefighters.
1: That's a great point, Chief. Uh, Cancer within the fire service, uh, the data reflects that it is through the roof right now. As fire chiefs, as chief officers, the health and wellness of our firefighters is of utmost concern. It's the number one priority. And uh, what we're seeing now is that uh, we have members of the fire service that will spend 25, 30 years in the service. And when they retire, uh, they actually transition to maybe a, a eight to 10 year, uh, a highly qualified quality of life retirement, which, uh, you know, those numbers just don't equate as we would like them to. So the ability to separate the uh, carcinogenic and the toxic gear that we engage on a regular basis from the living area is a high priority for us uh, within the fire service across the country and particularly here in the city of Lansing. We wanna do everything that we can to protect the health and wellness of our firefighters, not only while they are serving in an active firefighting capacity, but also relative to the quality of life once they retire.
0: So we're gonna move forward to talk about um, the EMS aspect with regards to the apparatus floor and the issues we have at station nine. Eighty-plus percent of the responses the Lansing Fire Department makes to the citizens of uh, Lansing are emergency medical responses. At this station, we staff and respond to advanced life support units out of this station. Uh, they are very busy units. They both average between four and 5,000 responses a year. That's each. Um, We have to store medical equipment here for those calls. We only have one room on the apparatus floor or anywhere in the working area that we can store the medical gear for that. And once again, that equipment is not not properly stored in a properly enclosed, properly ventilated, properly segregated room. Does it meet what we need for today to take care of the equipment? Yes but it's done through band-aids and duct tape and piecemealing stuff together. It is not what the standard says it should be, but it is acceptable, but we can't sustain at this. So we'll show you that area next. So this is our EMS supply room. As we said, it does segregate the EMS supplies appropriately, but really not to the highest level that it should be. The other difficulty we have with it is, if you look to our right, the backside of this room is also where the washing equipment is for the turnout gear. Yes, they are properly segregated, but it is by far not optimum of the way it should be to separate when we wash those carcinogens and everything out of the gear after use. It's in the same area as our medical supplies that go on the ambulances, um, and there is no room in this station or between electric, plumbing, and even physical space to be able to properly segregate these two areas.
1: That's critical too. Uh, Our EMS equipment for the most part needs to be sterile. It needs to be sterile. So having this equipment stored in the same area and proximity of where we actually wash our turnout gear that is full of carcinogenics and toxins uh, is problematic to say the least. Not to say this room uh, as uh, the rest of the station uh, probably has some ventilation challenges so that increases the uh, inability to really separate sterile EMS equipment from the possibility of being contaminated with toxins as we wash our turnout gear.
0: So we focus on the facility itself with regards to the vehicles and personal protective gear and equipment. Next step was we're going to focus on the people that actually live here for those nine years and some of the issues we have with it that does affect the overall operation of this station of the responses that come out of here, their safety and their well-being. As we have said, the building was built in 1954. So we're talking a 70-year-old building with nothing other than cosmetic work. We're still on the apparatus floor but the ceiling above us, as you can see, there's a patchwork of various drywall there. This is an ongoing issue at this station directly related to plumbing. There's massive plumbing issues in this station. Directly above us is the shower facilities and bathrooms for the dorm area upstairs. We are having regular issues with old piping cracking, leaking, breaking, and water flowing down. And it's not just the drains from the showers, but it's also the drains from the toilets. So we have gray water and black water dripping down on the floor, getting close to our equipment, areas where our people track through every day. Then when it gets to the point where we have to do the temporary work to fix them, we sometimes have had to go days without upstairs bathroom facilities or even shower facilities within a station. The criticality of not having proper showers within a station is that when a firefighter comes back from an emergency response, especially a structure fire, They need to get that contaminated turnout gear off and washed as we saw the facilities. But more critical is they need to get out of their uniform. They need to shower and get cleaned up and get into a clean uniform to reduce the absorption of the carcinogens and the health effect for them. With this ongoing issue on the plumbing in the station, it's not sustainable here. When they will come in one day, plumbing's leaking and bad, we have to shut everything down for a day or two so we can put a patchwork. The questions come up, why do we not just outright fix it? Excellent question. Part of the problem is we would lose the shower and bathroom facilities for months. This is 70 year old plumbing that's up there and it would have to be repaired from the shower facilities all the way down to where it goes to the streets, the sanitary system within the city. That's a months long project that would be months that this station is shut down and that still would only be a short fix of a small section within this station.
1: Also, if you notice uh, the patchwork and the proximity to some of the electrical outlets, that is a major concern, not only from a cold standpoint, but also just from the possibility of uh, a a fire. And we want to be very, very careful with what this looks like. Again, we are not really certain if we're dealing with lead piping, if we're dealing with uh, uh, some unintended consequences of trying to produce a long-term fix, Uh, However, uh, to Chief Tobin's point, the sustainability of this uh, is just uh, no longer there as relates to the health and wellness of our firefighters. Uh, The physical well-being of our firefighters is critical, but also the mental health aspect. Our firefighters run, uh, to Chief Tobin's point, 12 to 15,000 calls a year out of this firehouse they should be able to come back to their home while they're on duty and to be able to process, decompress, and to work through the challenges of some of the things that they may have seen in the street providing service to this community. Uh, Right now, the station just does not provide that high degree of, of mental well-being that is critical to our firefighters as they wait for the next call for service.
0: We have um, both male and female firefighters in the Lansing Fire Department. We are very proud of the diversity of this department. Some of the base dis- difficulties that we have though is all of our bathroom and shower facilities are shared. So, for example, we'll go over and show you on this floor of the station, the main floor, we basically have one functioning bathroom that has one toilet and one urinal. At this station currently today, there are eight people stationed here. So, and the facilities are old and we also have plumbing issues there. So this is the one bathroom facility that's on this floor of the station. Uh, as you can see, basically if anyone comes in to use the bathroom, uh, door has to be closed and locked and the other seven people, for the most part, have to wait. We've had plumbing issues in the bathroom. As you can see, look at the top of the urinals, there's been numerous patches and leaks. Uh, the sink's the same way. Um, additionally, with this room, if you look above us, and I suppose, this is a fix for the ventilation hood within the kitchen. We had to recently replace the stove in the kitchen because it was 60 years old and it finally failed. We did get a new stove in there, but because of the the codes and the way the stoves are designed, we had to put a new ventilation hood in there. With the new ventilation hood in, there was no way to take it out of the station properly. So we had to make some adjustments, come uh, horizontally, adjustment, and then back out horizontally. Does this work? Yes, but once again, this was an engineered fix for a problem that couldn't be corrected properly, creating, once again, another potential health and
1: safety issue for the firefighters in the station, and the station just can't function properly. Uh, the need for privacy, the need to feel secure and safe, the need for our female firefighters to, to be able to feel that level of safety as they take care of their personal hygiene, it is so very, very important, again, It all relates to the health and wellness of our firefighters, especially from a psychological standpoint.
0: From here we're going to go downstairs to the basement to show you some of the more complicated uh, electrical and plumbing issues that we're having in this station. We're now down in the basement of fire station number 9 where all the mechanicals are, all the plumbing, all the electrical is. We're going to show you some of the issues down here, Chief. So this is a large area, this is where all the mechanicals are for the station. As large as this station is, it actually has very little basement area. Not necessarily that it's needed, but this is our mechanical area. Um, We've had uh, some minor updates, I wouldn't say major updates. Uh, our electrical, as you can see, is dated. It's 1950s technology. Uh, it is safe, but it's 50s technology. I mean, we still have some panels that have got some open connections with manual breakers in them. Uh, we also have some push button breakers on other panels for electrical. Uh, plumbing-wise, uh, we, the plumbing is all different sorts. Uh, some of the insulation on some of the pipes Uh, is potentially asbestos, it hasn't been tested yet. It is still sealed, fortunately, so we don't have to worry about that side of it, so it's still safe. But, plumbing side's an issue there. Um, Additionally, if you look around on the walls, you can look at the uh, bottom of the exit door here, the emergency egress door, you look at the base of the walls, you can see the water running down the walls and through the foundation, which is starting to create some initial foundational issues for this station also. So, this is your basement, just like your home got electrical issues that need to be updated significantly. We've got water supply issues and also water drainage issues. This is the heart of that. The other thing is this, this station works on a boiler heat system. Uh, when it generates heat, it generates heat very, very good. The difficulty is because of the size of the station, the way the station is segregated with the different valving and thermostats, that um, the station is either extremely hot in the, in the wintertime or it's getting no heat at all. So you're either living in an area that's, and I'm not exaggerating here, 85 plus degree temperatures in living areas or temperatures that can be as low as 50. In the last three years, we have had occurrences within the Lansing Fire Department where we have had to relocate the crews out of this station at night because of heating issues and the temperature within this station had dropped to either at or below 40 degrees. We cannot expect our people to live in those temperatures. That's unheard of. And then on the equipment side, the fire truck upstairs carries 750 gallons of water, plus there's plumbing. Those temperatures drop. That can also affect our apparatus and equipment. Chief.
1: Outside of the electrical and the plumbing concerns, uh, the fact that uh, we have uh, the asbestos uh, issue is also very, very concerning. Not a challenge as long as it's not disturbed but if there were some major innovations that would need to take place, it would have to be disturbed. The remediation that would be necessary for any work that involved asbestos is cost prohibitive. And again, just speaks to the physical health and concern for our firefighters at this location.
0: And additionally, for safety concerns and all that, as you can see over time with the patchwork that's done, if you look at the ceiling, there's various holes that have been accessed. On the other side over here, we have ceiling that is coming down, that's wet. This should be a sealed ceiling above this to protect and contain and confine everything to this area. We can no longer do that. Now take it back to living conditions. Behind us, we have the dryer where the firefighters come down to dry their uniforms when they have to change and wash them. Behind the cameras is where the washing machine is. So they also have to come down and work in this area just to do their, own, their laundry of their uniforms, once again, as a health and safety issue. So now we're on the second floor, the dormitory sleeping area of fire station number nine. The difficulty that we have up here is the, obviously this has not changed since 1954 other than moving of some furniture around. This is a shared facility of both sleeping and workout facility. As you can see we come here, the critical part of being a firefighter is quality physical fitness. So we try to have good workout facilities for our, our firefighters. The difficulty is that we have all this workout equipment in an area that really wasn't designed for the weight of the equipment. Uh, It's not sound conducive to work out up here and also this area is shared on the back side of us here as the sleeping area. So if you have a firefighter that wants to come in prior to shift, the shift starts at 7.30 in the morning. If they want to come in at 5.30 in the morning and work out, either they come up here and work out and wake up the rest of the crew who's trying to get a little bit of sleep from the night before in between calls or they have to wait until further into the shift Later in the night, if they want to work out in the evening, it's the same thing. If someone's trying to relax in their sleeping area by their bed, read a book or whatever, they can't do that because of the workout area. So that's one thing up here. In the sleeping area, we have a non-segregated sleeping area. It's basically a modified dormitory where the firefighters have moved their personal lockers in an area to try and create little cubbies for sleeping. But there is no privacy, once again, for anyone who's trying to relax may have to have a conversation with a family member, or just general sleeping in a large dormitory area. Men and women share this area to sleep. Um, We do have distance between the beds, but this is not conducive to good psychiatric health and and good sleeping conditions. If we do have a firefighter that snores, that keeps the rest of the crew awake and there's no sleeping there. From about the middle of May through Labor Day-esque, it gets very, very hot up here because we have no foliage vegetation around the building. It's a high point and as the sun heats up the dormitories, it can get upwards of 85, 90, 95 degrees up here. So for cooling, we actually have window air conditioner units. There are seven of them stationed around the dormitory area and pretty much from the middle of May through Labor Day, they are running 24/7. seven. They're loud, they are by far not energy efficient and they work semi-adequately to keep it comfortable for sleeping and living conditions within this station. So here we are on the upstairs bathroom uh, shower facility at Fire Station number nine. This is a shared facility for the entire crew. It's not a segregated, this is men and women have got to share this bathroom. This is exactly the way this bathroom has been since 1954 when the station is opened, other than maybe a coat of paint here or there. Um, we have some plumbing issues, floor drain issues, uh, a couple of the toilets on and off don't work, or when they have other issues, they're dumping right down to the apparatus floor and living areas downstairs. Um, if we come around the corner here, I will show you the shared sh- shower facilities. This is an old 1954 era shower facility for like a locker room. We have a three head shower and a shared facility. Men and women have got to utilize the same facility. Um, Minimally, this crew at this station is eight people every day. So if they catch a structure fire, people got a decon and all that, they have to take turns and we have to wait. And then we have to make sure that everyone has the privacy they need for showers. This facility in this day and age is unacceptable. It's not good for our people. It's not good for their physical health. It's not good for their mental health. And also, it can just cause some long-term issues. I
1: wish I knew.
0: So that was a general summary tour of fire station number nine here in the south side of Lansing. Lansing Fire Department originated in 1855 when the citizens of this city determined that they needed a fire department. It has evolved and developed for the last 150 plus years to a world-class fire department with world-class firefighters. The difficulty of a firefighter is firefighters are paid to adapt, to evaluate and readapt and overcome emergencies. When we get into situations, when they get in conditions that need additional work, they learn to adapt to the conditions they're in. We need to, under more and better conditions, we need to support these firefighters. This is where they live. These are the people that come and respond to the citizens at their most critical time and need. They are phenomenal people, amazingly trained people, and they are the best, and they deserve the best, and they deserve to work in the best working conditions. Because look at what they've been doing for the citizens in difficult conditions. Imagine what they can do if we improve the living and working conditions for them. Thank you.